Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our title is Redefining Success When the Numbers Fall Flat. Redefining Success When the Numbers Fall Flat. We are in a new reality globally, at least here in North America. Church attendance, according to Barna, is down 30 to 40% in a research they recently finished. And they concluded three things. One is that one in three practicing Christians uh, is still attending their pre-COVID church online. That's quite a drop. That half of practicing Christian millennials aren't even viewing services online. And uh, that those who are no longer attending church are bearing more emotional Burden and so burdens and so from the initial euphoria of people going online the first few weeks when COVID nineteen hit, now that we're four or five months in, the numbers are going down <clears throat> quite quickly, and I think we can anticipate uh, over the next six nine months or more uh, those numbers will continue to decline. So the question is, how do we define success when the numbers are flat and declining? We're not in control. Uh, this is an unprecedented time, at least for our generation. Uh, and this idea of, you know, uninterrupted progress <clears throat> has suffered a, a deadly blow to us. And uh, uh, in fact, we're so used to things flourishing. It's been quite of a shock. And I think a lot of pastors and leaders, I don't think I know from my own conversations and talking with others who are widely networked, that there is a uh, a disorientation, a depression, a sadness. And uh uh, you know, the, the question is, you know, it, this is not the first time uh, something in history has happened that has <clears throat> really set back human progress, even by generations. Uh, the coronavirus, the question is, how much of a watershed event is this for our entire civilization? Uh, and as Jeremiah 45, 4 says, uh, God in the past has demonstrated a willingness to, and I quote Jeremiah 45, 4, to overthrow what he built and uproot what he has planted. I'll say it again. The Lord says, I will overthrow, the Lord will overthrow what he has built and uproot what he has planted. It's quite a verse. One research firm has summed up our present situation as follows. Quote, we must also consider the possibility that there will be no herd immunity and no effective vaccine or cure anytime soon. Wave after wave of mutations and economic devastation could keep us on the back foot for years to come. If so, then we are looking at much more profound human shifts in civilization than we had anticipated at the outset of this pandemic. Some aspects of life will very much resemble our past expectations and experiences, and we will be grateful for that. But other aspects may be significantly and permanently different, unquote. And already uh, there's been a bit of transition fatigue. We're in such transition as leaders that... Uh, you know, the, the, the change that's happened in the last few months is so sudden, socially, culturally, financially, that, that it's been a violent speed of transition going on around us. And many folks are just simply tired. So how do we redefine success in the midst of all this, and especially when the numbers are, are flat and declining? Now, as you know, in the, in, the, in the world, and this is now post-enlightenment in particular, uh, numbers things going up has been uh, the value. Uh, Bigger is always better. We want bigger bank accounts and bigger influence and bigger social media platforms and bigger budgets and bigger profits and bigger staffs and bigger churches. 
And the logic is very simple. If you're not getting bigger, you're failing. And potentially, you're on your way to extinction. So the church has simply adopted that, especially in the West, that uh, we measure our success by numbers. Bigger is always the goal. We want to increase in giving, attendance, small groups, maybe churches that are being planted, numbers of people serving in ministry. So we count everything, conversions, baptism, new programs, uh, you name it. Now, again, in the Bible, we've... uh, we see a whole book called the Book of Numbers. We see numbers being described in the Book of Acts uh, of folks who've come to Christ. You get three thousand are baptized and five thousand, and 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 so uh, we've just naturally taken that on along with the value of Western civilization. And so we see it in denominations or movements if you're part of one, uh, in church plants or multi sites or kind of the whole revivalist theology. Um, you know, Sunday morning or Sunday a weekend experience that needs to feel full. The problem comes when we get so focused on numbers that it can actually become demonic. And we see this in David in the, in the counting of the fighting men in, in 1 Chronicles 21, uh, where it says that Satan rose up against Israel and David took a census uh, and he eventually you know, repented of that. And he was looking for power and security and it became an idolatry. So when it's all we measure, it's on biblical. And especially in times like this, it has been so exposed for us. So again, what's biblical success. And uh, if you've been listening to my podcast, I'm sure I've said this multiple times in different podcasts and in different forums. That's this. Success in God's family is first and foremost doing what God has asked us to do in his way and in his timing. Success is first and foremost becoming the person God's called us to become and doing what God has asked us to do in his way, and in his timing. That's why it's so important to discern what's God saying. And again, so, so it's going to look differently if you're in a parachurch or a marketplace, or depends on where your church is located. Um, maybe you're in a sprawling suburb or a, a, a city where people are now leaving, or maybe you're serving in a remote village in Zimbabwe, or maybe you're in Israel or Syria or Iran, or maybe you're working among drug addicts and homeless people, or you're in a justice ministry. ministry. Uh, it's going to look interesting, and so they're going to look different. And so, again, we we must always consider that your ministry or organization may be growing, and yet you're actually failing. And you may actually be declining and actually succeeding. And that, I think, is what we're in right now. And again, go back to our definition of success. It's becoming the person God's called you to become and doing what God's called you to do in his way and in his timing. So again, think of some successful leaders in Scripture. You've got John the Baptist, of whom was the greatest person born of women, uh, Jesus said, and before Jesus. And yet he started out booming, and then towards the end, people were leaving him. His numbers declined uh, towards the end uh, quickly as people went over to Jesus. Amos was a farmer and a prophet who left the southern kingdom of Judah and went north to the kingdom of Israel. And we know from history that People did not respond to his prophetic message, so his numbers were very flat. Uh, the same thing with Jesus. Jesus left a revival in Capernaum where there was great numbers and left there for lesser numbers as he moved to other cities and there wasn't a great response. And we also see Jesus with, with tremendous numbers in John 6. He preaches this tremendous sermon about eating his flesh and drinking his blood as he's the bread of life, and we see thousands leave him except for the 12 at that time. Jeremiah, again, a... Uh, uh, we see a prophet over 40, 50 year ministry where he did not have numbers at all. His numbers were very flat, uh, most of his ministry over a very long period of time, but he was a success. Same thing with Habakkuk. Habakkuk is, 
you know, is questioning uh, his uh, his numbers, we don't know what they were at the time, but he sees a huge decline coming as the Babylonians are about to invade uh, the northern, the, the southern kingdom of, of Judah. And he speaks about the fact of you know, the end of his book that though there's no fruit on the vine and, and nonetheless, there's no fruit, the numbers are flat, you know, but I will rejoice in the Lord. You know, again, he's faithful. See the same thing in, the, in Isaiah's ministry, uh, Ezekiel's ministry, again, numbers flat. We see Timothy. Uh, pastoring a church in Ephesus. We see this in First and Second Timothy, where he's dealing with lots of heresy and having to sort things out. Uh, uh, it was a difficult time. And in fact, if he was going to be faithful to Paul's instructions, he was going to lose members uh, who were just not following you know, apostolic teaching. And so this embracing God's definition of success is very difficult. It's always been difficult for me, becoming the person God's called me to become and doing what God's called me to do. Easier said than done. Uh, and again, on a personal level, and then corporately, I want my church and my ministry to be what God's called it to be and to do what God's called us to do. And that does not always mean that the numbers are going up. So here's a few ideas. As you think about, I want to invite you to reframe success in these days uh, for your own joy and effectiveness and fruitfulness in Jesus, as well as for those around you. So here's a few ideas for reframing it. And you can, of course, you're going to do your own work and add to this, but Here's some things. Number one, that success is, uh, firstly, it's you remaining in loving union with Jesus. I mean, that is success. It's you becoming the person God's called you to become by remaining in loving union with him. And so, you know, I, I write down, here's a few things for me, what that looks like for me. It's, I want to be growing as a disciple of Jesus. So I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with him. Uh, I'm in scripture. I'm in silence and stillness. I'm in doing daily offices. I've got a rule of life. I've got rhythms. I'm centered. I'm anchored. I'm Sabbathing. But i I'm, I'm making sure, one, that I'm growing from the inside out of my own walk with Jesus. And then, and then at the same time, I'm growing as being a, a loving person. That, that love of Jesus coming into me is flowing out to the people around me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm growing and becoming a loving and being a loving person. And I've got integrity, living what I preach uh, and speak about. And in my marriage, I'm, uh, I've got integrity in my marriage and uh, as a sign and wonder for Christ. And I'm living out my uh, that vow and the... And the gifts that have come out of that vow of our, our four daughters and son-in-laws and grandchildren. And, um, but I'm remaining in loving union with Jesus in these primary relationships. And I'm, then out of that, I'm stewarding my gifts for Jesus in, in my very short earthly life and feeding the servants that people that God's put in front of me to, and not going beyond that. And uh, so I, I, I want to make sure that I'm functioning not in my own strength or wisdom or history, but uh, I'm... I'm not trying to hold things together, but I'm relaxing in, in loving union with Jesus. And so uh, now I, I suspect that more upheaval lies ahead for us. And uh, so I, I want to make sure I'm experiencing loving union day to day because that's the only source of fruitfulness, you know, abiding in him. So I want to be careful. I don't try to do too much in too little time. I don't want to be rushing. Uh, I don't want to be fearful about the future. That's a sign I'm out of whack. Uh, I don't want to be concerned about what other people are thinking. That's also an unhealthy sign. I'm, I'm out of loving union. Uh, I don't want to be defensive or easily offended. Uh, I'm very sensitive to the stress in my body, the anxiety going on. And uh, I, and I don't want to make sure I'm a good listener, not always talking and like I am now, but I'm a good listener. And uh, so like Jesus, who faced overwhelming pressures in his life, uh, more than we'll ever face, but we see him consistently pulling aside, 
from the crowds in places like Luke 5.16 to a solitary place to be with the Father, so that his activity was rooted in a place of deep rest, deep centeredness in, in the Father. And so I'm always watching, and I want to invite you to watch because this is this this is success. And in what ways does my current pace of life and leadership enhance or diminish my ability to allow God's will and presence full scope in my life? I had a leader tell me recently that he's got so much going on and uh, he's just so busy uh, that he's not sure he has time for uh, to really invest in his relationship with Jesus in a significant way. Uh, in this national ministry he's leading. And I said, I think you're missing a core of what success is. So first, success is remaining in loving union with Jesus. And in these tumultuous times, that is that is great success. And you know you'll be bearing fruit because fruit always comes out of remaining in loving union with Jesus. But the second thing is this, I, 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 that success in the midst of our pandemic is making disciples, uh, readjusting the way that we lead to actually make disciples, in other words, is not in programmings and holding people together somehow. Uh, now we've we've invested way too much into uh, our our weekend services, our Sundays. Our, now I believe in Sundays. I believe in preaching. I, I believe in the church. I love the church, uh, but we have put too much weight on the on the church on the weekend services. Uh, and much less in on making disciples and developing leaders of the few. And I want to invite you that, that this is a core, uh, more than ever indispensable criteria for success for us, uh, that we're actually going to invest ourselves in a few disciples, as well as few who can become leaders, disciples who will actually make disciples. And the question is, who is the Father given you? Jesus had the 12. We need mothers and fathers of the faith. Uh, in our churches now more than ever, uh, because the wineskins uh, that need to be developed now, the structures uh, to be the church are changing, need to change in light of COVID-19. Uh, and so it, it, in some ways, it's we're moving back to much more like a New Testament model, which is more grassroots, smaller house churches broken up into smaller units. We're releasing people earlier, training them along the way. Uh, and you may be saying, well, I didn't do that. I haven't made disciples or developed leaders. And so I feel really constricted right now. And I'm in a tough situation. And that's okay. But right now, you want to success is to get started, uh, to begin making some disciples, to begin developing some leaders. Uh, it's slow. We're in a church culture in the West of church shopping. Uh, and now that has taken on a whole new level of uh, possibilities because now people can go online and check out who's preaching what. It's like, kind of like looking at a menu. And I can attend whatever service catches my fancy. Church shopping, church shopping has a whole new meaning. And the problem is that now everything's accessible. The spiritual entertainment temptation for seeing church as kind of a shot in the arm, kind of an uplift, a booster shot, an event to attend that doesn't really challenge my life is now more possible than ever. And so I can be anonymous it's always been anonymity uh, in large churches uh, and an ability to be passive and no one's going to challenge you. The big spectator sport. Success right now is is rejecting that and actually calling people to discipleship, um, to a, ro- a robust discipleship. Um, and that's a lot of work. It's hard. 
Uh, and it is a shift. As one pastor said to me this past week, I wasn't trained to make disciples. I was trained to lead a church, a board, preach sermons, develop a staff. That's what I was trained to do. Uh, cast a vision, but I wasn't trained to actually life on life make disciples. So if you're saying that's me, I'm really not sure quite what to do. Uh, let me just invite you to uh, take advantage of emotionally healthy discipleship and the materials we developed to help give you content and a delivery system to actually make disciples. Uh, it's not quick, uh, but it is a, a one very effective means to begin to build a discipleship culture where you are. And uh, so we seek to provide out of 21 years of kind of development, uh, what we call the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, some quality content, and then experiential learning around scripture and silence that was created to be done in community, and you can do it now through Zoom. Uh, I want to invite you to actually check that out, learn, get trained, and, and use it as a means perhaps to begin to readjust your priorities and your time from perhaps programming to actually making disciples, investing yourself in people. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash lead. You'll see a lot of free materials there to help get you started in that journey. So, okay, so you got successes, you walking in loving union with Jesus. Secondly, it's you making disciples, our church is making disciples. But thirdly is, it, it success is uh, focusing on people that we're leading, cultivating their firsthand relationship with Jesus. It, it, it success is focusing and measuring people's cultivating their firsthand relationship with Jesus. They're having loving union with Jesus. Uh, and again, this came at me in a, in a very um, surprising way over the years because I just assumed that people who were zealous and serving, etc., were spending time with Jesus. They were cultivating a firsthand relationship with Jesus and not a secondhand one. And I found out, and this is from not just my own church in New York and other churches in the United States and Canada, but actually in traveling Latin America, Brazil, Singapore, Europe, I mean, you name it, Asia, parts of Asia, that people in our churches, even those who are gifted and serving, are not necessarily developing their relationship with God. Uh, they're riding on their gifts, their experience, their talents. Uh, so imagine, be, first of all, asking people, what are you doing to cultivate your relationship with, job, with God? You know, I spend some time with God in the morning. And you actually ask them, what are you doing that time? Well, I, I, I read you know, the daily bread. I know, what else do you do? And, but as you dig into it, you begin to find out where people are in developing their own firsthand relationship with Jesus. So it may be th something measuring success like this, something as simple as this. And you got to wrestle with your own measurements that each of my team uh, or every leader in our ministry will develop their relationship with God by spending 10 to 20 minutes in prayer and scripture in the morning and a, a few additional minutes in prayer and, and reflection in the afternoon or evening. Or maybe something is uh, every key leader in our ministry will, will slow down their lives by practicing Sabbath for 24 hours each week. Or perhaps every leader or team member will pray the examine at least once a day to discern and follow God's will for their lives. You get a wrestle with what that might look like for you and break it down for your ministry. But it's worth your time. But I believe success is beginning to actually call people to this kind of a deep spirituality for the long term. Here's a fourth consideration for you about success. That success is building community. Uh, outside the box of what we've traditionally understood as building community. Uh, this is one of the great challenges right now. How do you build community when people are not gathering and are scattered? 
Undoubtedly, it's going to be new creative ways of doing small groups and maybe home churches and ministries around Zoom. Of course, but back to it requires leadership. Now, in the past, when I first started writing curriculums and materials, I'll never forget, I went to the publisher and uh, we were talking about them publishing, which they have published at Zondervan, the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. And they said, no, we can't publish this. It's eight weeks. It takes two hours. It's a class. People have homework. They got to get trained. The church will never buy into it. And they said, the only thing that sells in the evangelical market in the world, they said, is people, well, in the world, primarily North America, English-speaking countries, is a four to five-week curriculum with three to four questions that last 55 minutes. That's all. That's all people can take. They won't do anything more. They won't buy it. Uh, those days are over. That kind of a shallow discipleship and community, uh, it is not going to cut it in the world we're living in today uh, and the pressure the church is under today. And much has been written about already about the significant increase of the number of people suffering from mental health issues. I'm talking about from job losses and economic crises and struggles in coping with the lockdown, uh, domestic abuse, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, panic, depression. Uh, And for millions of people, the lack of any kind of physical contact for so long is bringing new levels of of stress and suffering in people's lives. In fact, right now, uh, they say over 90% of enrolled children in school are, are not in school. Imagine the stress of that on parents. And so our role as pastors and leaders is Ephesians 4. We want to equip the saints for the work of service. Remember Ephesians 4? God's raised up apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And our role is to equip the body for works of service. And that word for equip is a word used in original Greek of putting the bones in place. Uh, We've got to figure out how to put bones in place in our ministries so that there is community. Uh, Again, networks of communities. And uh, it's a new day. And asking God how to do that. And so we've got to perhaps begin to measure how, what percentage of our people in a, are in a small group or ministry as part of their formation. Or, or imagine this, you know, children's ministries aren't meeting uh, very much right now, but imagine equipping parents to be the children's pastor. Instead of the people have relied on a children's pastor and a youth pastor to take care of their kids, but now they can't meet very often. But imagine setting a goal of creating, in a sense, training parents to actually be a children's pastor or be a youth pastor, you know, for their kid. I'm not saying we don't have a youth ministry and kids aren't in small groups through Zoom or FaceTime, whatever it might be, under an appointed leader. But that's something really to think about. Or imagine, you know, every every member of our community is going to integrate uh, skills, uh, emotionally healthy skills in their relationships. Uh, or 50% of married couples will go through a particular training on how to be married for Jesus. And so again... But it's thinking creatively outside the box versus I want to go back to how do I hold this crowd together? And uh, I think there's a sense of economically, we're just open to how, what is this going to, success going to look like? Paul went in and out of tent making, being paid, not being paid. I think our new you know, reality is some of the economic models of even leading, running the church may not survive long term. But that's okay. Like Paul, we continue to do our ministry and steward it for God, whether we're getting paid or not. So there's a flexibility that we want to bring into our own leadership. What's God saying? Because success is doing what God's called us to do, and we do it even if economically it doesn't make sense. And disciple-making, the slow, difficult work of disciple-making, is not, in a sense, economically, uh, financially 
make, bring in a lot of money. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the right thing to do. All right, here's, here's a final thought about what is success and how we might measure it. It's keeping our work in perspective. Uh, it's, it's success is keeping our work. I'm talking about personally and whatever ministry we're leading in perspective. Now, Jesus has got something for us to do, but Jesus is doing a larger work around the world and eternally. And so uh, our life is very short. We're gonna, we can only accomplish so much. And there's two, two stories I have in the back of my uh, journal that I refer to often. Uh, and to help me always relax and keep my work in perspective, uh, the one I want to share with you is from, is from J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote an unforgettable story about a man named Niggle. Niggle's passion was painting trees. The only problem was that Niggle was too distracted to paint the whole tree. He never got beyond just painting the leaves. So he was always just painting leaves. And he was never satisfied with the leaves he painted, so he'd do it over and over again. And he never got past the leaves, and then he dies. But he dies, and he wakes up in this unfamiliar place, and uh, he comes upon a bicycle with a yellow label tied to the handlebars, and, and it says, Niggle. So Niggle gets on the bike, and he begins riding through this meadow. He looks ahead, and he sees something so incredible, he falls off his bicycle. Why? He sees the tree. And this is the tree he has been painting his whole life, but has never finished. Here it is. The tree is finished. And it was not a painting. This tree was alive, real, and swaying in the wind. And Niggle had always wondered how it would look. And he gazes at the tree in wonder. And he slowly lifts his arm in praise. And he utters, what a gift. And he realizes that the work he did on earth was a gift. And even more, he discovered that his work he did in his earthly life would only find its completion in the life to come. And so it is with us. And so I part of that. My work will always be incomplete on earth, but it will be fully finished and flourished when I see him face to face. So what's helped me, you know, I think to kind of embrace, I gave you some broad categories of success. What's helped me and made it possible to begin to enter into God's definition of success has been a few things, like silence and, sur- and solitude. Number one, like without silence and solitude, uh, I'm not sure I could have even surrendered to such a level of definition of the success, success when the whole culture measures it differently. But then secondly, a key factor has been for me a focus on, on surrender or detachment, learning indifference as Ignatius talks about it. In other words, the idea, the heart of my Christian life, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, is surrendering my will to God's will. Uh, you know, my Father, it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, but yet not as I will, but as you will. And recognizing that the core work of following Jesus and spirituality is to surrender, is to let go, uh, like Jesus did. And if Jesus struggled with it, uh, that uh, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Uh, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Uh, I'm under no illusion that uh, if he struggled to submit himself to the will of the Father and surrender, oh my gosh, of course it's going to be a struggle for me. And I find that's true. And I so that's a core, been a core piece for me. And then finally, just embracing a theology of limits. I'm always looking for God in my limits, uh, whether it's in writing or emotionally discipleship. This my, my number one challenge has been embracing limits. And so uh, it makes possible... Uh, redefining success uh, 
when the numbers are diminishing or flat, because I am like you are surrounded by enormous limits, human limits, personal limits, team limits, ministry limits, limits of the culture, limits of pandemics, limits of, of, of politics, limits of, of this global economic crisis we're in. But God is in the limits for us. So let me just close with a couple of questions I received in a webinar I did in a similar topic recently. Uh, and I got so many tremendous questions around redefining success where the numbers are declining or flat. And uh, here, here's, here's a question. Do you agree with the quote, don't focus on building a big church, instead build big people? Do I agree with that quote? Absolutely not. Uh, I don't think we're about building big people. In fact, if anything, Jesus says we're to become little, like little children, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, I, I think that's, we're building little people who want them to be faithful and loving union with Jesus. Uh, I'm, soon to, I'm a soon-to-graduate second career seminary student who's on, or, on an ordination track to preach. What's a fruitful preaching ministry in this new environment look like? Does it still make sense to pursue a building a ministry based the way, on the way we have in the past? My answer is no. Uh, the ministry of just preaching is not enough. Uh, uh, you want to be an Ephesians 4 equipper, making disciples. Uh, and preaching is part of the way we do that. But preaching is not the whole of the ministry. It's a small piece of it, especially now in times like this during a pandemic. Uh, think of Jesus. He preached the greatest sermons of all, and so did Paul. But he made they, the, the focus and breath of the focus of their time was in, was in people along the way making disciples. Uh, I'm a church planter. Uh, we've had seven months of worship before COVID struck. I know you you planted a church. If you were planting a church now, what would you do? And uh, I would do uh, discipleship. I would focus on that. I would do, the, of course, the EH discipleship. Of course, I would be very focused on a few leaders, uh, two or three key leaders, mothers and fathers that I could develop. But that's where I'd be pouring out my energy because when you have leaders uh, who are really mature uh, in the faith, you have flexibility in the kind of structures you can develop to decentralize into smaller entities. Without leaders, uh, you're very we're, we're limited. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And finally, what do you do if you fear a next step or opportunity, although good, may prevent you from living rhythms with your family and with Jesus? Uh, my response is. Uh, don't do it, or minimally talk with your family about adjustments you can make. But uh, again, your first measure of success is you yourself are walking out what you're preaching, living in loving union with Jesus. So let me invite you to uh, go to our team transformational videos, uh, emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. And because the most important thing about success, redefining success is you, your life, your being out of which everything flows. And so we've got some free resources for you, uh, team videos that you can do individually on Genogram, a rule of life, and Sabbath. So you can begin to invest in your loving union with Jesus out of which you can serve other people. But it's been great to be with you, everybody. May the Lord bless you on this day. And uh, may you, you be freed uh, and be able to, in, in God's name, uh, redefine success uh, regardless of numbers, so that you can experience a cup that overflows with the joy of Jesus. So God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day.